Hey, you're listening to the RFWP Podcast with your host, Lois McNair and Emily Lewis, where you'll find candid conversations, transparent faith, encouragement, the occasional sarcasm, and a whole lot of grace as they share their walk with Jesus. Here's today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Sister Seeker podcast. This is the podcast where we are finding truth and looking for God's heart. I am your guest today. My name is Sam Velasquez, and I'm here with the hosts, Emily and Lois. Hi. Yay. (laughs) Hi, Sam. We put Sam on the spot like 30 seconds ago and said, that was okay. (laughs) Why don't you introduce the podcast? So I did, because I love a challenge. You, <laughs> <laughs> you rose to the challenge. Thank you. Hey, I just want to tell our listeners, you guys, this has been months in coming. We have been wanting to have Sam on our podcast and um, kind of hear from her and hear her story. She's one of my favorites um, <laughs> to listen to. And um, David's okay, but man, yeah. Sam's my favorite. Um <laughs> And Sam is the co-host of 26 Letters Podcast in the RFP Network. And anyway, I just love the fact that you're here and <laughs> is finally here. Right, Emily? Yeah, I have not gotten to visit with Sam. So I'm excited to visit with her <laughs> and get to know her. I'm just so excited. Like, I am a guest on someone's podcast, not like me and David, yeah. just me. <laughs> Yeah, now you can be like, I'm one ahead of you. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, we girls got to stick together. Oh, yeah. Here for it. We run the world. (laughs) (laughs) And it is National Women's Month, so, you know. It is. We are celebrating accordingly. Yes, it's true. And now we're all going to be accused of being um, harsh feminists because we talked about (laughs) International Women's Month. Story of my life. So when we start these interviews where we get to have a guest on, we like to break the ice with a fun game of this or that. Okay. So low pressure, but super fun. I would love to know, would you rather have broccoli or green beans? Oh, if it's roasted, probably broccoli. Hmm. I actually choose to make roasted broccoli. <laughs> Good for you. She went all bougie. She went all bougie on us right at the beginning of the podcast. Roasted. Well, if it's roasted, I would probably say broccoli. Well, uh, sure. I, I do not like to eat raw broccoli, I'll be honest. <laughs> okay, so waffles or pancakes? Ooh, pancakes. Mm. 100%. And morning or night? Um, like a midday pigeon, actually, <laughs> when I have my best self. But if I had to choose, I'd probably say morning because when I do wake up earlier, I feel more productive. Mm. Yeah, sure. Get that. Baseball or volleyball? Volleyball. Mm. Tacos or wings? <laughs> oh, that's a hard one. A lot of food on this list. Hmm. Well, David says I don't enjoy real wings because I only like boneless, and so he just calls them saucy nugs. <laughs> so I guess I would have to say tacos. 
Mm, kind of fair. <laughs> I mean, I see his point. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, sneakers or boots? Um, boots, I guess. But I am happy to hear you say sneakers because, you know, when you say sneakers in Virginia, they're like, what are you, 80 years old? <laughs> what I call them. Like, what are they? Yeah, when, you, when you said sneakers, both of you. Okay, and I'm 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 quite uh obviously old enough to be both of your moms. <laughs> and for you guys to say sneakers, I'm going, what are you, 80? <laughs> That's what I they were called sneakers. That's what I grew up like. But apparently in the South, they're what, tennis shoes? Yes. Yeah. But we don't yeah, play Montana, tennis. Montana, they're tennis just, shoes. Yeah. tennis shoes. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Now they're called kicks Cannabis. and drip yeah. and all kinds yeah. of stuff. Mm. Yeah. It's true. So a couple more. Facebook or Twitter? Uh, Twitter. I actually got rid of my Facebook because I kept getting hacked. <laughs> 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 I was like, I'm not on this enough to care about it. So I just deleted the whole thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you are. Um, one last one. Would you be rather be, oh, wait, volleyball. I was going to ask you a baseball question, but I won't. I mean, I could, um, I could probably would you, still get it. Would you rather be batting or um, pitching? Oh, my gosh. Giving me some PTSD here. Um, <laughs> right out of the gate. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, probably pitching. I used to play softball. I was on a tournament team growing up. I was fairly good at uh-huh. it. Um, and uh, I pitching caused me less anxiety than batting. <laughs> I just have one question about yes. the about the playing softball growing up because I did I have to wear culottes over my pants? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, sorry, what was your question? <laughs> no, you read my mind. You read my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I had to wear culottes over over my softball pants. Um they weren't even the shorts, they were like the full on athletic pants, and I had to wear culottes on top of them. And I made the very gross mistake of going to um a pool party, like an after season pool party. And I had to wear like the ugliest swimsuit and it wasn't even like a shirt and culottes over my swimsuit. It was like a full on like IFB swimsuit where there was like a tight bodysuit underneath. And then there was like this jumper over top of it that you would like zip up. It was really hideous and it covered more of me than like my normal clothes would. So I went to the pool party, even though that was what I had to wear. And I get into the pool and one of the girls on my team's like, oh, Sam, you forgot to take your clothes off. And I was like, oh, this is just what I wear. And then my mom oh my wanted God. to know why I didn't go to the next season's pool party. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I, I have to insert here that – Really, until a year ago, when Emily and I started the podcast, I didn't even know there was such thing as an IFB swimsuit. I've oh, been yeah. out of the IFB so long. Like, when when I was growing up, we just weren't allowed to go 
anywhere where there was anybody else except our brothers and our sisters. You know, we wore swimsuits, of course, you know. Um, they had a hole it was in just the knee, family. but, oh, okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, we wore, we wore swimsuits, but I didn't know there was such a thing as IFB swimsuits. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah. I started looking them up and they're scary. I'm yep. just mm-hmm. going to say it out loud. <laughs> they, they, cause a, they cause a lot of mental trauma. Just yeah. a little, little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Ooh. Okay. I have, I have a, I have a this or that. Okay. Okay. That I have to ask you. DC Comics or Marvel? Um, to be super honest with you, I couldn't tell you the difference to save my life. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Oh, no. Like, I, th- I think Batman is DC, right? Mm-hmm. And Iron Man is Marvel. That's about mm-hmm. like the best that I could give you. <laughs> I feel like oh. I've failed as a parent. <laughs> I just so if you want to know the real reason I cannot do like crazy intense action movies because like I get anxiety over the mess like the superheroes are saving the town but in my mind I'm like who the frick is paying for that damage that's right the civilians (laughs) sure I might be alive but my taxes are gonna skyrocket (laughs) I can't do it that's awesome. <laughs> you like the person yeah. on the Avengers there that's like outraged that the yes, Avengers I'm like I didn't ask you to save me. This is what you're leaving <laughs> me. You might as well let me die. That would be me. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Karen. Yes. <laughs> it's like in the movie Incredibles when the one guy tries to jump off the building and Mr. Incredible saves him and he's like and he sues Mr. Incredible and he's like I didn't ask to be saved it's me <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh oh, funny <sighs> you know yep. that could be a sermon illustration probably could be in the IFB like I didn't ask to be saved <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no I'm just kidding because everybody for something <laughs> Yeah, that was probably, I'm going to get in trouble for that Mm -hmm. one. Okay. Well, thank you for playing that uh, game, Sam. It's good to get to know you and have some laughs. I'm sorry for traumatizing you right out of the gate. (laughs) PTSD. Just uh, what we would love to know. (laughs) We would love to know just a little bit more of your story. Like, did you grow up in the IFB? What was like your journey like leaving like, those uh, fun details? Okay. Um, yeah, I pretty much grew up IFB for um, the majority of my life from when I was born to when, well, I guess like three years ago. Um, yeah. And it was a little tiny church for most of the time that I was there because as the IFB tends to do, you judge people until they run away instead of change. And um, I went to the really small Christian school there, which when I first started in kindergarten, I had classmates, I had friends, um, but then another Christian school opened. And when I came back from fourth grade into fifth grade, in fourth grade, I had three other classmates, which like doesn't sound like a lot, but you know, kind of was. I came back fifth grade to like just a class of me and I never got another classmate until I graduated. So that was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I can't imagine how difficult that is when you seem like 
a people person and you're a teacher now. So that, yeah, wow. it was, it was a little tough. They tried to put me in like some classes with the grade above me. So like I would take history and science with like a couple kids, but for the most part, I was in a room by myself all day, um, which was interesting. I'm not like the most talkative person, which is funny because I host a podcast and no one would believe me, (laughs) but I do need to like be around people. Like I'm that type of introvert that needs to know the world is still going on. And you know, like there's people around me, even if I don't talk to you. So yeah, that was, that was really, really interesting. And then when I finally got into um, middle school and high school, which was like the upperclassmen, um, I was bullied relentlessly pretty much because I was white. So everybody else in my high school that was a woman or a girl, sorry, I guess, um, was either black or Hispanic. So I was picked on because I was one, a good kid, and two, because I was white. So it was a... That was not a fun time for me. I was actually put on medication for a little while because I used to get like migraines so bad every day that I would just like come home and like throw up for the whole evening because like I was under that much stress at school. And I was in so much of an IFB church that when my mom did decide to like stand up for her daughter, um, the pastor pretty much told my mom that it was good for me and it would help me become a strong person. Mm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. to like suck it up because the school needed the money. So they weren't going to do anything about it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that mm. was, so that was definitely one of the times that I really recognized growing up without a dad, which my dad died when I was nine. Um, mm. I realized growing up without a dad in the IFB was super detrimental because like we didn't have that barrier of either like my mom didn't have that barrier of a husband in between her and the pastor to like kind of sometimes put the pastor in his place and I didn't have the dad to stand up for Mm. me um, Mm. because like my mom could just be walked all over in the IFB. So it was a, it was a very interesting way, but um, it's, it's funny because we had um, here at the church that we go to now, we had a recent um, like conference, I guess, or, whatever. And one of the people that we had in was um, Barnabas Piper, who is John Piper's son. Mm -hmm. And he talked about how he's like, I wasn't happy with my life, but I also knew I was in a good enough place that I wasn't rebellious. And I think that was definitely me growing up. Like Mm. I was a good kid, not because like I agreed with everything that was going on, but more so because I just didn't want to ruffle any adult's feathers. So I just continued Mm. on this path that was set before me because I knew it was what was expected of me. So I graduate college. I attend Crown College of the Bible for a music ministry major, even though my skills in the piano are not that good. You know, I could like barely make it, but it's because I know if if you go to Bible college, you're supposed to take piano because that's one of the prerequisites of marrying- Because potentially right. I could become a pastor's wife. And how am I supposed to be a good pastor's wife if I don't know how to play the piano? Yes. Right. So I knew, again, I knew it was what was expected of me. So that's what I did, even though I knew it wasn't for me. And I think mm. that for me started a very personal journey of bitterness because I thought like all of these people talk about how serving God is so great and they love it. And it's just the thing that God has called them to do. And like, mm. I was sitting there like, this is, 
this is not fun for me and this is not enjoyable and I don't know how I'm supposed to live the rest of my life like this. Mm. But again, I just kept going. I actually dropped I dropped music education because I was like, I literally cannot do this. Like I am an A student and I am not getting A's. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually had the backbone enough to drop out and go into education because if you're not familiar with a Bible college, there is very little that a woman can actually major in. And you're either doing some type of music or you're doing some sort of education. So right. You'd I be dropped a music, music teacher, a teacher, yes. a missionary, or pastor's wife. Yes. And actually at Crown, they don't even like ladies to major in missions because they don't believe that a woman should go onto the mission field single. And I had a couple of friends that went to Crown to major in missions. And because they were female, they were told to get their educational degree instead as like a backup for God's plan. Oh, mm. so God's plan has a backup. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. God's God's plan yeah, has a backup, but for women. Sure that your husband is a mis- missionary. Yes. Yes. So that's yeah. the thing. And that's what they told you. If you want to be a missionary as a woman, then you need to find somebody. You need to find a guy that is majoring in missions. That's the only way that you can be used on the mission field. You know, uh-huh. um, I have a lot of missionaries, have had a lot of missionaries in my extended family. Um one of my mom's, um, several of my mom's sisters were missionaries. One of my mom's sister was um, a missionary um, in two or three different places. And the last place she was a missionary before she came back to the States was Swaziland, Africa. Wow. And she was in the Netherlands, met her husband at the age of 40, came back to the States and got married, you know, and he was That's not a missionary. Cool. So... You know, I just, there's so many different, um, I don't want to say sex because it sounds like I'm saying sex, but (laughs) but there's so many different sex of the IFB Mm -hmm. that some things are very similar and then other things are just like, what? Yeah. It's very interesting what certain, we'll say camps. That's how David and I say it. Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. So like. (laughs) What different camps of the IFB choose to be difficult on? Like for some people, they will never, ever give in dress, but they might sing like a refined CCM song, you know, um, and other people. Where the drums have been removed. Yes. And, you know, we, we run all of the words together so that there's no syncopated beats. Yeah. <laughs> that kind. And then there's some people that would never do that. But if you wear pants to church, then it's okay. So yeah, there are so many different different camps in the IFB for sure. Yeah. Before we go further, because I know there's more to the story, can we step back? Um, you mentioned that, and I don't, I don't want to bring up something that's just going to be really hard to, to um, talk about, but you mentioned that your dad passed away when you were nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, um, I was actually three days after Christmas and I'm just going to talk about it cause it's a super cool memory. But, um, the Christmas my dad passed away, my mom and dad had said there were four of us children. I was the oldest of four and they sat us down and they were like, okay, for Christmas this year, 
you guys are going to have one gift and we're going to give our Christmas to a family that can't afford it. And so we like went all out for it. We went and instead of picking out gifts for us, we went and we picked out gifts for this other family. And my mom and dad were so impressed with like how well we handled it. And apparently like we didn't complain about it or cry about how we weren't having a Christmas that Christmas Eve after they put us to bed, they had someone come over and watch us and they splurged. And we woke up Christmas Day to like mountains of presents. Uh, And that was the last Christmas we had with my dad. So I think like looking back, I always used to say, hey, like hate saying that's a God thing. But I mean, looking back now, I'm like, oh, that was totally a God thing. Like he knew we would need like that happy memory. So Mm. when I think of my last Christmas with my dad, it's so beautiful. But anyway, um, yeah, he died of a heart disease that you kind of, don't know that you have until you die from it or someone in your family dies from it. Mm-hmm. So it was it was very sudden. Um, we went to bed one night and woke up the next and my dad was just not there anymore. Mm. And you had mentioned that um, you had mentioned to this this to be before that it deeply impacted how you were raised in the IFB and you alluded mm-hmm. to that, but mm-hmm. can you be more specific about what? Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, when my dad passed away, instead of like giving my mom more of a break and trying to help her out more with her four young children, like I was nine years old and I was the oldest, my wow. youngest sibling was two. Um, So instead of like helping her out and like making sure she was taken care of and things in her house were working the way that they should have, they like heaped more responsibility on my mom. Like they asked Mm. her to become the volleyball coach. They asked her to teach gym at this little tiny Christian school. Mm. And like she had to say yes, you know, because it's just like, it's what you did. You said yes Mm. when you were asked Mm -hmm. to do things for church or for the school. And I very legitimately lived my life in that building. I was there Sunday all day for church. I was there Monday through Friday for school. Wednesday, we would stay extra for soul winning. Saturdays, we would show up for bus visitation or for soul winning and like knocking door to door. And the building was my life. And it was just expected that my single mother and her four children would be at all of the things. And it kind of hurt because there were, and I'll put quotes around like normal, but there were normal families in our church who didn't do nearly half of the things that we did. But yet it was always an expected standard that the Penna family was going to be there. I mean, Mm. there were jokes about how we were practically pastor's kids because of how much we were at the church. So just the expectations that were put on my mom to have us there for everything. And also the expectations of perfection Um, which I have definitely carried through into my adult life. I am a perfectionist through and through, but I think that was just from growing up in a place where you weren't allowed to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And because we were kind of like the second pastor's kids, we definitely lived under a microscope as well. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. So we'll go back to fast forward to, to college and you're now an education major. Let's mm-hmm. go from there. 
Okay. So best thing I got from the Crown College of the Bible was my husband. (laughs) Um, Shout out to David. Yes, he's so cute. Um, (laughs) But we met at college. We wound up spending a semester in England together, which proved to be really pivotal for my husband, at least. It um, was a lot of the backbone that kind of brought us out of the IFB, but I'm skipping ahead a little bit. But so I did wind up majoring in education, uh, secondary education for English, because I knew I was not cut out to handle little children all day long. So instead, I teach people how to write papers and read Shakespeare, which is like reading the King James Version of the Bible. So maybe how is just God preparing me? Um, and what's really interesting is at least at Crown, um, they are not set up for you to use your degree anywhere but a private Christian school. The school is not accredited or licensed so that when you graduate from their school with an education degree, it's pretty much a worthless piece of paper that you can only take with you to go to like very small private Christian schools because every other legitimate school needs like real verification that you know your stuff and Crown does not meet that real verification standard. So after teaching for two years um, and a move, a ministry move. When we moved, I had a really difficult time trying to find a job. And thankfully, through the Lord's provision, like two weeks before the school year started, I wound up being able to find one. But we just realized that too many doors were closing and I would need to further my education so that if we were to move again or something were to happen, I could find a job. So I went back to school. I got my master's degree from Liberty University. Mm -hmm. And finished. And I was supposed to have state certification in the state of Virginia, which is where I live right now. But I have tried to file for my state license and they don't like my undergraduate degree. So they pretty much shut me down. So that's been really fun, Mm. which there are some hoops and things that I can jump through and I'm kind of sort of in the process of going through it. But it's just really sad to go through all of this process and like Liberty University is in Virginia, and I had to take all the praxis exams. I even had to take some undergraduate courses again because not even Liberty accepted my degree. So it was really hard to go through all that work only to find out that it was kind of somewhat all for naught. But, you know, it's okay. I'm learning. I'm learning that there's, you know, God is working in all of these things. And so I'm just like waiting for whatever it is to be revealed. And I know that he has me where I am. And so I'm learning to be content. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, so Mm -hmm. life for me gets really interesting after college because of course in the IFB world, you go to Bible college, you meet your fiance, you get married shortly after you graduate, which I'm not complaining about. I was ready to get married. So (laughs) David and I get married, I believe, I think I was. You had to get married, right? Because the two of you spent the summer together in England, apparently. Was that IFB approved? Oh, no, no, not the summer. We actually spent a semester. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. But we were not, we were not talking at the time. That was a rule. If you went over from like Crown to the semester, you couldn't be, you couldn't be dating. They wouldn't let you go. (laughs) I'm just kidding with you because you said David and I spent a semester in England together and there was nothing about the fact that it was tied with the college. And I'm like, well, yeah, you had to get married now, you know, because. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) 
Sorry, I just always take that for granted that people know the kind of college I went to. Yeah, we were not together. <laughs> yeah, because if you sit next to each other in church, you're mm-hmm. practically engaged. Oh, there's actually a rule in the handbook that like if you sit with somebody for more than three times during a chapel service or a church service, it is considered dating and you need to have had your parents' consent. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my goodness. And I oh. thought I thought Emily growing up with um her preacher talking about aliens was bad. <laughs> <laughs> Emily oh, tell, Emily, you have to tell Sam about um about your church sitting experience with your now husband, Bill. Mm, I don't know what you're talking about. I thought you guys like couldn't sit on the same oh, pew. We did not sit together until we were engaged. Yeah, you couldn't oh, wow. sit on the same pew. The girls, right? Am I saying this right? No, I don't think that was a thing. I mean, the, we were segre- segregated is the word that comes to mind. Like the guys did not sit by the girls, but it wasn't yeah. a rule per se. An unspoken. It was an unspoken rule. Yeah. <laughs> an unspoken. That is so interesting. Hmm. I mean, we did the whole not touching, like not holding hands until our rehearsal dinner. Wow. I mean, we weren't supposed to, but David and I definitely made out on campus a couple times. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we did not. I can say that. They can take away my degree. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what degree? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, Sam, that your your college became the premier college because the college that I graduated from got liberal, right? Tennessee Temple University. I was going to say, are you talking about CTU? Yes. Yes. See, I graduated before you two were born. Um, <laughs> I, I, I actually did because I graduated from high school in 1983 and then from college <laughs> in 1987. And, <laughs> and I knew the president and the pastor that went to Knoxville mm-hmm. and started the crown um, the Crown College of the Bible, a distinctive Baptist college. <laughs> yeah. He used to live next door to me in Chattanooga. Oh, wow. Yeah. We won't go into all of that right now, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> what a blessing. Mm. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sorry. I'm I'm interrupting. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um. So yeah, David and I got married shortly after we graduated Bible college, like a a month later. And someone had given us a piece of advice that they said, just spend the first year of your marriage getting to know each other. Don't jump into any ministries right away. Don't try to like do too much. Just get to know each other. Just, you know, be in love, be married. And we're like, oh, okay. Yeah, great. Okay. Three months into our marriage, someone's like, hey, can you travel an hour and a half away every single weekend to go and minister in this Hispanic ministry in another church? Three months after we were married, David was still 21 at the time. He was about to turn 22. I was 22. I was doing my first teaching job, which meant that we left Friday afternoon when I finished teaching. We would travel up to where we were going 
stay in someone's house in their basement, which those people were very, very gracious people and they were fantastic. But we would, as newlyweds, stay in somebody else's house on the weekend, spend our Saturday out soul winning, trying to meet people to come to church. And then Saturday, we wound up running a bus in the morning. David would teach the Sunday school for our class. I would play the piano. David would lead music. He would then preach. We would get back on a bus after the church service was done, ride the bus home. And then they even asked us to stay for the evening service. So that was our weekend. Oh my goodness. For the rest of the school year, which started in September. So pretty much my whole entire first year of teaching, I had no time off because our weekends were ridiculously mm. busy. Mm. And we did that uh, because they told us it was going to be six months. They said, if you could just cover for six months while somebody is doing a missions trip in another country. Well, six months came and went and nobody had said anything about this guy coming back. So we talked with somebody and we we're like, hey, you know, do we know when so-and-so is going to come back and we can kind of be done? And they're like, oh, he's not coming back. <laughs> we just like looked at each other. And David said, well, what are we supposed to do? We can't leave these people high and dry. We can't just say, peace out. We are only supposed to be here for six months. Go find somebody else. So I finished out the year teaching. And about a week later, we decided to move from where we were in Knoxville or Powell, which is practically Knoxville, Tennessee. We moved from Knoxville, Tennessee, all the way up to Johnson City, Tennessee, and started living our life there continued in the ministry that we were doing there. And I just remember always feeling very alone. Um, I didn't, which is to my own fault, I guess. I have not yet learned Spanish, even though I am married to a Colombian whose first language was Spanish. But when you work in a Hispanic ministry where most people don't speak very good English, if any English at all, and I don't speak enough Spanish to communicate past like your basic, how was your week? And where's the bathroom? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all the all the important questions. Donde Espanol? <laughs> it just, I felt alone all the time. Mm. And we were removed from the main service. I mean, we were so far away from the main auditorium that I would always tell people, oh, the building could burn down and we would have no clue. Like that's how far removed we were, which led to one, no one coming over and saying like hi to anybody in the Hispanic ministry. So there was zero integration. Mm. And two, it led to no one ever asking us, hey, Sam and David, are you guys okay? Do you need anything? Like, how can we help you? And here we are these young newlyweds fresh out of Bible college and we're just like thrown into the fire. We didn't know what we were doing. Nobody ever helped us. And I just continually, as every year went, we were there for three years. And as every year went, I just felt more and more alone and more and more like I was drowning and there was no way out. It was, it was very, very bad. So, And you were yes. there for how many years? Three. Mm -hmm. even yeah, when wow. you talk about when you talk about that right now um because I don't know how many years ago that was but when you talk about that right now I can hear in your voice when you when you say I felt like I was drowning mm -hmm. that it, there's some of that that's still fresh I don't want to assume but it 
it's oh, it, that way. It's still very fresh. Uh, we left that church. Last October was a year ago. So we are about a year and a half removed. So oh, it's that recent. Yeah, it's still a very, very big process. I mean, towards the end of our time there, uh, I was definitely depressed, like noticeably depressed. Um, so much so that my husband was concerned for me and he made me go to therapy. At first, he was just like gently, hey, why don't you try to call a therapist? I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. Uh, but then I think he got a little too concerned for me and called one for me and made me go, <laughs> yeah. which wound up being wonderful and was the thing that eventually helped me to get out of my depression. But just feeling so alone for so many years, feeling so judged, because um, mm -hmm. that's just you know, typically how people feel in the IFB. It's their whole entire makeup. Uh, caused me to really shut down as a person socially, emotionally, kind of mentally. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was, that was not my best place. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, and that honestly, I would say my depression was definitely situational. Um, I was coming off of being very, very busy. I, during the time that COVID hit, which is when we started to make our journey out of the IFB, like who wasn't depressed during COVID? But right. <laughs> during the time COVID hit, I was finishing up the last leg of my master's degree, which was me being in a public school and just like having my internship. So instead of being paid to be a teacher, I was paying to be a teacher. <laughs> so, and then on top of that, because I wasn't making money doing that, I had a part-time job. So I was mm -hmm. very, very, very busy. I had homework. I was a full-time teacher. And then I had a part-time job after that. And I thrive on being busy. Like it is how I operate best. So when the world shut down for COVID, it was just slowly a spiral that I could not get out of. And like I said, I'm the introvert that kind of needs people and there yeah. were no people around to be had. So between that, between slowing down like crazy and then realizing that this church that I had spent the first 25 years of my life in, that like I didn't really agree with them anymore and my beliefs weren't lining up that way. Mm -hmm. um, and just other circumstances that happened through the church in my situation, I honestly felt let down by God. Mm -hmm. And it was a super rough season for me. Yeah. It sounds like anyone would be crushed under the weight of all of those circumstances. Yeah. So coming out of the IFB, you mentioned socially feeling very isolated in that ministry as a newlywed spending all of your weekend <laughs> working just I mean Bill and I worked opposite shifts from each mm -hmm. other so I guess I kind of get that but it is such a sweet season I mean it can be such a sweet season and yeah um, sacrificing all of it yeah it uh it's definitely something that we talk about now and I don't know if regret is the right word here because I know for a fact that David believes that, you know, like we did a good thing and, and I know we did a good thing, but I definitely think we sacrificed part of like the joy of our relationship for what we were doing. And even though like witnessing to people is never a bad thing, 
I know that at some times we were doing it to the point where it hurt our relationship sometimes. Um, and David said this on our podcast kind of recently. He wishes he would have gotten me out sooner because like he can see now how horrible it was for me and mm-hmm. how bad it was for my mental health. And he's like, I, I wish I would have gotten you out sooner. Mm. We're out now. so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that coming alive again, um, when you start to break out of your shell, you reference something like you felt like you had to be a specific person mm-hmm. inside the Christian school and the way your mom was treated, like you had to be that specific person. Like, I don't think I recognize that. <laughs> I just fit the mold. <laughs> and then it, like, coming out of it, it's like, what do I actually like? Do I actually have a personality? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I have an opinion. Well, okay. I've always had an opinion. Like, I'm allowed <laughs> to voice my opinion. Right. So right. it's just very different. Yeah. Um, I'm still... I'm still definitely getting used to the fact that I am allowed to have all of these things. I'm allowed to have a personality and I'm still learning. David tells me this all the time, but he says, you know, honey, people actually like you. They don't just pretend to like you (laughs) 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 because making friends for me is really difficult because one, I grew up bullied and nobody did anything about it. And then two, I grew up in an environment where nobody was honest with each other because we all had to pretend to be something that we were not. And when you grow Mm -hmm. up that way, you don't know how to make friends because you don't know how to be a genuine person. And you think that the second that you actually are genuine and honest with people, they're going to leave you. And Mm -hmm. Just two weeks ago, I told David, I said, I used to think I had social anxiety, but I think I was just in an oppressive religion. Like I used Mm. to think I didn't know how to talk to people. And I used to think that I wasn't worth other people's time. Mm -hmm. And I'm still struggling with that. But coming out of the IFB and being in a church where people are genuine with each other and people are concerned about you they love God over tradition has just allowed me to become who I think I actually am, mm-hmm. allowed me to become more sure of myself and therefore has made making friends so much easier because I'm not afraid to say like the one wrong thing that nobody's ever going to talk to me for again. <laughs> yeah. You cross that line. Yes. Yes. Which is it's crazy to say out loud, but that was definitely my mindset up until about like four months ago. Mm-hmm. I was afraid to get too close to people because if I did, surely something would come out that would make people not want to be with me anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, yeah. I do understand, and I think Emily does as well, what you're talking about that um, growing up where everybody put on that that mask because... I think even in my relationship with my husband, you know, Mm. um, we've been married almost 33 years. And I think back about when we were dating and, and all like how much was, I mean, I was, I was myself pretty much, but then Mm -hmm. there's parts where you're not yourself because, because you're, you're afraid that if you really get to know me, like you said, Mm -hmm. you won't you won't stay or, you know, but it, but it was, that was a a thought process and a toxic thought process that was really Mm -hmm. perpetuated in 
in that denomination, even yeah. though they're not a denomination. But <laughs> right. it, it was. <laughs> yeah. And and then even more recently, and I've talked about this on, on our on our podcast, and Bobby and I've talked about it, when we got fired from our church four and a half years ago, it's been really weird for me to make friends since that time mm-hmm. because we were on staff and it was like, I don't, I don't even know if I know how to make friends outside of just this is what we we're thrown together because this is where we all. Right. Serve. Like our commonality is that we work for the same church. Yes. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so it's like, I don't, it's like, how, how do, how do I, how do I make friends? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I have more social anxiety after. <laughs> really? Even. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think because the trauma was so huge of when we left and right. how cut off we were, right? that making friends now is like, hmm, letting people in is more scary, I think. Yeah, that because makes sense. Because I, I didn't realize the wall that I had up. I didn't realize that I was living this um, almost robotic, like, this is just what you do, like, yeah. mm-hmm. until after. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, wait a second. Like the first time I really express and make a bold move is when we get like really pushed out. Yeah. So I think it's so scary to be like, if I, like, I even have told our current pastor this, which I think is a kind of a big deal that I felt comfortable telling in this, but I was like, I just want to act like a toddler <laughs> and <laughs> like, see if you're going to still like me. Yeah. Like, are mm. we still good? You know, <laughs> can I just, because I either want you to tell me to leave now so that I don't get attached first. Right, right. <laughs> or are we good? Yeah. Like I want to throw a bunch of crud in your face <laughs> or things that I might disagree with you on and make sure that it's safe. Yes. So I, I yeah. totally get all of that. Pretty sure that's what we call PTSD, which <laughs> all of us have been through, yes. you know, and I know we, we kind of throw that around, but all of us have have been through that Mm -hmm. and you don't realize it until your system physically emotionally mentally spiritually starts to normalize and then you look back and you go what the crap yeah what's going on yeah I know my PTSD definitely comes strongest in the form of the thought of being in ministry again um Mm. like What's interesting is that my husband and I weren't even on staff and we were we were reminded multiple times we would be invited to staff parties or they would say even though you guys aren't like staff staff like we still want to invite you and I'm like oh thank you but we still had all the rules that staff had we had like all the expectations that staff had we still ran a ministry like people on staff did but we weren't staff staff but Yes. yes. It sounds like it, it sounds <laughs> like staff infection yes. that you didn't <laughs> want to into because you know there's staff and then there's staff staff. Yes. <laughs> Trust me, you don't want the staff, right? Staff. <laughs> <laughs> full of such tact, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I have to ask probably kind of a hard question. Okay. And I don't know, did we finish the other I don't want to cut us off from the no, yeah, just like social aspect of being things. in ministry was where my PTSD comes in hard. <laughs> yeah, um, mm. I think that's for us too. 
you know, um, there's times where I'm like, because we're ministering, right? Mm-hmm. If we're ministering to people, we're ministering, um, just not staff, staff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and this is going to be kind of a pointed question, but I feel comfortable asking you because I've heard you and David talk about a few things on your um, 26 Letters podcast, but growing up, you know, people are bullied from all different people and, you know, however we want to term that. But I know where your heart is regarding um, loving everyone equally. <laughs> I, I've heard that in your heart. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting, and I would like for our listeners to hear this from you. I find it interesting, though, that um, in your bullying, because you were the only white girl, but the only white girl grew up and married a Colombian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I want people to understand that 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 what you mentioned about being in high school and stuff and being bullied is um, not, I mean, you're not making a statement there. I mean, no. you married David. Yeah. So can you kind of <laughs> <laughs> share a little bit about that? Um, as far as marrying David and, you know, I think it's, I think it's phenomenal. <laughs> I just, that caught my attention. I don't know if yeah. that makes sense. No, I, I get that for sure. Definitely was not trying to make a statement there. Um, just happened to be the way that the demographics in my school were laid no, out. No, no, yeah, no, that's not because, like I said, that's why I prefaced it. I've heard you guys on your podcast. I know where your heart is. Um, yeah. What What brought me to David was just that. Uh, literally the first weekend of college, I saw this cute boy, and his name was David Velasquez. <laughs> And I didn't care that he wasn't white. I was kind of a little bit nervous because I did grow up in a church that told me because I was white, I needed to marry someone white. And I don't have 100% confirmation on this, but I am 99.9% sure that the pastor that I grew up with did not come to my wedding because I married a Hispanic person and I am not Hispanic. But... Yeah, my family was totally fine with it. My mom was fine with it. Um, you know, he's he's also a pretty pale Colombian. <laughs> my mom, <laughs> my mom was not convinced for the longest time that he wasn't white. She's like, he's just a tan white person. <laughs> oh my gosh! But yeah, no, there was never any family issues with us getting together. Nothing from his side of the family. Um, his family's great. They welcomed me right away. As a matter of fact, before David even admitted that we were interested in each other or talking to each other or whatever it's called, his parents came and visited him on campus and I met them. And his dad looked at his mom when I walked away and was like, that's the girl David's going to marry. Wow, that's <laughs> uh-huh. super cool. Yeah. So. That's awesome. But it blows my mind, really, because I was raised the same way to believe that interracial um, dating was yeah. a sin. Yeah. And they and would use, whole, did they use the, the reference in the Bible about the ark, how God brought on like two elephants and two giraffes. And like, that was our kind, not, yep. not humankind, but your race. Yeah. Right. That's which is just so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So ridiculous. And, you know, Emily and I talk, um, you know, one of our 
one of our main things is to untwist the narrative. Mm. And so to me, um, you and David being married, uh, being on the podcast together, walking through these things is, is a beautiful picture of untwisting that narrative that mm-hmm. is still being perpetuated in oh, yeah. some churches, whether it's an IFB church or, or any other kind of cultish type church. Yes. It's, you know, but I find it extremely interesting that you guys served in a ministry for three years when mm-hmm. you weren't on staff staff mm-hmm. and you had the white church over here and the Hispanic church over here and yes. never the twain shall meet, but we're going to yes. minister. We're just going to minister separately. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we were told because we tried to bring our congregation in and we tried to get integration because we're like, this is how the church, like when we get to heaven, that is what the church will look like. There will not be separate services for Hispanic people or white people or black people. Like we're all just going to worship God. And so we tried to bring integration in so much so that we even got like the little, we even purchased the little speakers so that David could sit in the back and translate and they could just like listen in so that they could understand what was going on. Awesome. And it didn't really fly. Uh, there was just none of that. But we were told that we should be grateful because the church building actually used to be on a different property for Hispanic people. And hey, at least now it's on the same property. Sure, it's across the gymnasium, down a hallway, down another hallway, past all the Sunday school classes, and then there's the auditorium. But you know, we should be grateful. Mm. Yeah. And would you believe how much flack we got for our racism episode? Because nobody likes to admit that they're racist, but right, yeah. Or if you do admit that you know you've had racism in your heart and all, right, then you're considered progressive, right, or woke, and that's that's the worst thing you could be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Um. So <clears throat> the uh. You guys had some news recently. <laughs> yes. You mean that we moved? I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I am today actually made 15 weeks. So I'm 15 weeks pregnant right now. <laughs> That's awesome. My baby is huh. the size of an apple. <laughs> <laughs> do you have the little um the little fruit app? Do yes, you have the little yes, app I about- do. <laughs> So So you're almost to avocado. That's what I thought it would be this week. I like to guess, but I don't like to look ahead because I love the little surprise. So I (laughs) guess that this week was going to be an avocado, but it was an apple. So it has to be an avocado next week, right? (laughs) There's not much of a size difference between an apple and an avocado. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It depends on the apple. I guess that's true. I know when they said apple, I'm like, do they know what variety of apples there are? You know, I could eat an apple that's this big or I can eat an apple that's that big. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Felt like some of them went backwards. Yes. Like, I don't know what size you were thinking. Yes. I went from like a a lime to a kiwi. And I said, they're either the same size or the kiwi is smaller. Like this doesn't make any sense to me. What app did you follow, Emily, when you were um, oh, I have no idea. pregnant with Tiff? 
Oh, with Tiff, I probably didn't do anything. <laughs> oh, okay. No. <laughs> shall, shall we talk about the fact that um, there weren't even um, full size, like, internet cell phones when <laughs> my first child was born? Wait, so you didn't have a pregnancy app? Come on. <laughs> you didn't know what size fruit? your baby was how, how did you make it i don't know i don't know i i laid there at night and guessed oh my word my pregnancy app has been awake. a lifesaver and there's just been like so many things that have been like you know because your body is changing and right now i'm in that weird stage hey hey sam we we, we don't need to get into that episode <laughs> that your body is changing <laughs> we'll save that for the parents to talk to their kids about it <laughs> <laughs> but like so much so I'm in that weird stage where my nose is congested now and I thought it was just allergies but then today I wake up and my pregnancy app is like you might notice that you're congested over the next couple of weeks and I was like oh my goodness it's amazing <laughs> did not know that it's like how does this phone know <laughs> <laughs> always watching Always watching. But I was about to spend money and go to the doctor and figure out what was wrong with me. But instead, I woke up and my app was like, it's just part of pregnancy. There you go. You're just congested. Yes. It's not COVID. It's, it's not, not a new allergy. Yeah. David didn't accidentally punch you in the nose no, during the night. No, he did not. You're just <laughs> Well, I'm excited for you guys. That's just super cool. Thanks. David's very excited. I'm excited. <laughs> well, you've been the one sick. So yes. It's pregnancy is hard to been be excited when you don't super, feel well. super brutal for me. I'm I have not quite yet reached the fact in the second trimester where you're not sick anymore. I'm still very sick. Um that's fine. It's, it's fine. <laughs> I'm not upset. <laughs> I don't cry about it. <laughs> I don't yell at David every time I'm puking. This is your fault. <laughs> that happen. Uh, just yesterday, uh, Bill and I were talking about like Imago Day and how we were created in God's image and God made us creative. And Bill's like, yeah. And like in awe, like I've created four kids. And I was like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> David tried to tell me yesterday. He said, I was having breakfast the other day and I started to feel nauseous. And I was like, stop it. Stop it right now. <laughs> I don't want to hear this nonsense. Yes. <laughs> Sympathy is down here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right here. Have you seen that? Have you seen that um, reel or TikTok or whatever that the comedian that says, have you made people? I've made people. <laughs> yes. I've made people you and made I'm their leader. People. I've made my own people and I am their leader. Yes. So so if David starts that again, you say, wait, have you made yes. people? <laughs> like, are there pe people so being made inside of you? <laughs> Intricately woven <laughs> in secret? No, it's happening inside of me. <laughs> I will. I'll have to do that next time. <laughs> So a couple of weeks ago, you and I were texting, and um, I asked 
you know, how you were feeling and, and all of that. And I'm trying to find the text now on my phone. Because <laughs> I have to pull this up. It's just too good. Um, do you remember that conversation? Yes, I believe I told you something about the fact that uh, when I'm having a really bad day, I like to sit down and talk with David about all of the different ways we'll mess our children up and what they'll talk to their therapist about. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. so here's how this <laughs> here's how this went. Let's see if I can find it. Um, yeah, let me go back here. Um, okay. Are you excited about being pregnant? Are you surprised? Are you anything else? <laughs> you said, I've been really sick, so it's not that enjoyable. And I'm thinking, oh, she just is already looking towards the fact that she doesn't want a baby dedication. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go listen to that episode on 26 letters. But the last time I was at the doctors, they gave me nausea meds, what's of help, so I'm starting to enjoy it. She said, I'm nervous. I'm a perfectionist type, so I often wonder how I'm going to screw up my kids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I said, um, I'm sorry you've been sick. That is no fun whatsoever. And then I said, take a deep breath about screwing up your kids, starting a savings account for their therapy for later. It's all going to be okay. <laughs> That'll make it better. Be like, I know I screwed you up, but here's some money to go see a therapist. <laughs> yes. So instead of saving for Bible college, you yes. can save for their therapy. <laughs> I would always tell people, because I just, I don't know, had this weird thought that I wasn't going to enjoy being pregnant. Could you imagine that? But I would tell people, they would ask, they're like, oh, do you want it to be a boy or a girl? And I'm like, honestly, I just want it to be triplets. Like I just, you know, <laughs> triplets or twins, like one and done. And they would always ask about, well, what about college? I'm like, we're not doing college. We're pushing technical school, baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can do all of that. So I'll just um, set up Emily, the technical do you wanna, you save You want to weigh in on the twins or triplets thing? <laughs> Um, yeah, Bill prayed for triplets <laughs> once. <laughs> um, and we had a friend like wish twins on us. And so then we had twins and she and Bill will go back and forth like bantering. And she'll say, like, if you're not nice, I am going to wish triplets on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, uh, just... Just manifest it. We'll just speak it out. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to kind of the, turn the tables on ourselves. And All right. Sam, is there anything that you want to ask either Emily or I? And nothing is off the table for me, but I can't speak for Emily. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am, when I mentioned that ministry for me was a very sore spot, I know, Lois, you raised your hand. And I'm kind of interested to hear where you are, at least in your heart thinking about like what ministry could potentially look like for you because being here at this church has healed me quite a bit. And we were actually at um, a leadership conference for our church a couple weekends ago. And I got to see what ministry can look like and it's mm -hmm. not so scary anymore. You know, it's not like the work yourself to death type of ministry and you have to bring in so many people or else you're like obviously not doing your job. And so I'm starting to heal and my heart is starting to change. I'm just wondering like if there's been anything that has helped you guys in that area, something, or if like maybe you're just not there yet and that's okay. Hmm. All, all of the above. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's been a little bit different journey for Bobby and I both. Um, 
so I think for um, us at the at at the church where we were let go, um, it was just it was so sudden. It was so cut off. We were cut off from all of our friends because, Mm -hmm. and I've said this in an episode before, because Bobby was basically forced to sign an NDA. He, you know, even though we hadn't done anything wrong, you know, like we couldn't talk to anybody, Wow, you know, and because they all, they held his um, sabbatical pay that he had coming to him because, you know, you could have sabbatical every seven years Mm -hmm. and we'd been there 15, 16, he hadn't taken any sabbatical. Mm -hmm. So the sabbatical pay, the severance pay, insurance, all that was held over our heads that if we talked Mm -hmm. with anybody, if anything got back, or even if uh, a representative of our family, a surrogate talked to anybody. Oh my gosh. So um, we, we lived really in, in fear Mm -hmm. for several months. Um, and then the church where we've been attending and the church that, um, we started attending, I started attending right away. Bobby, um, preached for another church that needed a, a Sunday morning preacher for 14 months. Um, I began to heal through that church Mm -hmm. because, I began to see what ministry is supposed to look like. Yes. But I still have that knee-jerk reaction of, oh, wait, like, are they going to be upset if I can't mm-hmm. do this or that? And so there's a part of me that has healed to the point that I'm like, I see us I see us being in vocational ministry again, mm-hmm. but I don't know what that looks like. But I, and I, I don't know if I'm ready to be a senior pastor's wife, <laughs> but it won't look like anything that it looked like before. And right. Bobby is realizing that as well. So I don't know if that completely answered your question, but. Um, no, totally. I think being burned by the ministry was something I felt very, very strongly. So of course, you know, the natural reaction for that for me was, well, if I'm never in the ministry again, I can't be burned by the ministry again. <laughs> Well, my natural reaction was just like, I ain't going there ever again. Y'all yeah. can have it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, even Emily, not a staff staff, but she played the piano at her church and she, you know, they volunteered and they worked with students. And I know she's been attacked in the last year or so. Um, they were coming along and she and Bill were starting to teach grace to these students and starting mm-hmm. to see a different walk. And then all of that just got shut down. So even though she wasn't staff staff, I don't know, Emily, how do you, mm-hmm. how do you feel? I'm, I'm kind of passing the question on to you now. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, I don't know if it's, I've thought about it as ministry hurt, honestly, just mm. because um, it wasn't like an official capacity that my husband was a youth pastor. Um, we did take, I, I think it was about eight months of not going to church anywhere. And that was mm-hmm. extremely necessary for at least me. I mm-hmm. needed that space. And then, um, you know, you get into, start attending a new church and they find out what you're capable of or what you've done before. Yes. And they can encourage you to do something. And, 
our pastor has been like, just take as much time as you need. Like, wow. Because he was, I had asked him a question about children's ministry and their policies. And because my kids are in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's your, and they, you know, they have some work to do on some of their policies, I think, personally, you know. Mm -hmm. But he was like, well, you're asking this question. Does that mean, I mean, I think maybe you'd be a great fit for helping in the youth ministry. And I was like, actually, I know that I need at least six months not doing anything. Mm -hmm. And I think that was about nine months of not doing anything. And now Bill and I are both leading in my kids' ministry there. Yeah. Um, But it feels um, the last gal who was doing it burnt out really bad. And because of that, they put it, put a lot of practices into place to oh, make nice. it where this, like the family pastor has been like, if you ever need a break, I will just teach that Sunday. You just tell me. So yeah. like there, it feels safe. Like the, and in my heart, there's like other ministries, like they need somebody to play keys. And I'm like, should I? No, I shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like. Just that that waiting in. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's my experience with it. It has been giving us a lot of space. Yeah. Like I said, eight months off of church, nine months in church without any kind of ministry role whatsoever Mm -hmm. um, was very necessary. And it's also just good to give yourself that grace because, I mean, it sounds like we all grew up and served for a long time in a church that made it feel like if we knew about something that needed to be done and we weren't doing it, then like we were therefore did not have a strong walk with God or we weren't true Christians. And I think realizing that you can give yourself that grace to take the space when you need it is so, so important. And that's something that we didn't necessarily realize when we came to this church. Like we moved here and my husband, like bless him, he's just so like gung-ho about things. And he's just like, well, we got to like find our ministry and we got to like plug in really fast and do what we're going to do. And when we got here, the pastor was like, no, no, what you need to do is you need to heal because <laughs> he said, you guys have been burned. So he said, you need to yeah. heal. You need to take some time. And we are working in the kids ministry. Um, we're like taking training to start leading a small group, but the time that they allowed us to like just be and to put our feet on the ground and start to feel familiar with where we were and start to feel comfortable in the church. We found a small group made friends for me. That was a huge deal. Yeah. And that was us realizing that we were allowed that grace was Mm -hmm. did so much for me mentally at least, which was great. Yeah. That's good. You have any other questions for us? Yeah, just kind of like a not as heavy one, I guess. But what is your favorite thing that you've discovered about God since you've left the IFB or even the SBC? Mm-hmm. Emily, you you jump on that one first. Okay. I think I I love that he is a faithful and very very patient teacher. He's not. I mean, he's guiding me, and I am not. Ter- I'm not terrified. Mm. Because one of the markers of the beginning of my story was just a like journey out or journey into grace was like asking questions Mm -hmm. and people were terrified of the questions. I was terrified of the questions. It's like, what if the answer was something that I didn't believe? Right. (laughs) Like then I was wrong and that was (laughs) like unacceptable. So finding that God was okay with my questions Mm. 
and that he was just faithfully guiding and he leads me to resources that ju it just blows my mind the, the way that he faithfully and patiently just is there mm -hmm. and he's not um irritated when i haven't yeah. got something or when he has to teach it to me again or when i'm doubting the same thing again yeah <laughs> so, yeah okay. that's good i think for me um you know, you've heard this statement that um, you can leave um, a legalistic and ritualistic situation. You you can leave a heavy fundamentalist situation, but it takes longer for that to leave you. Yes. Your mm -hmm. wiring and all of that. And, and even this past week, Bobby and I were talking, <clears throat> Emily and I were talking and, um, you know, just about, uh, we had bought it, we bought a used new car in November and like less than a month ago, about a month ago, the transmission went out of it mm -hmm. and it's a Nissan and they have this new CVT transmission and like the dealership wants like six grand and we didn't oh. have a warranty, all this junk. And, and so I have to force myself not to do the self-talk of, well, what did we do wrong? Yes. Well, what, what, like, yes. what is, is God trying to get our attention because this and that. So <clears throat> I think one of the things that I've been learning for, for years, but probably more exponentially in the last four is that God loves me. He loves me. Mm -hmm. He is faithful and he is for me. He is for me. And um, he wants the best for me. And he delights in me. And he is singing over me. And, and so reminding myself of that and then just really um, embracing that that's who he is. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm still on that journey. But... Um, you know, my, my brain is finally, I think in the last four and a half years or, or more so than that before we ever left our former church. Um, I think I started finally to embrace the things that I had been teaching other people through. Mm -hmm. Wow. But yeah. I think his, his love and his, he is so faithful mm -hmm. and Yeah. That's probably been one of the best things mm -hmm. for me. If you don't have any other questions for us, Sam, I would love to hear your answer to that question. Um, I would definitely say it's kind of funny. The thing that I've learned the most is kind of a combination between yours and Lois's and just the fact that because I am a perfectionist, I always worry about you know what the future holds because how am I going to be prepared for it? But there has been in trusting that God does love me and that God is not waiting for me to mess up because that's how I used to operate in my life. I used to operate in fear, not just of those right. around me, but the fact that like God was literally waiting for me to screw up so that he could strike me dead. And then if I wasn't struck dead, it was by the mercy of God. So for me, learning that God does love me and just because something bad happens to me doesn't mean that I am you know, in sin or doing something wrong, 
that like sometimes that's just a part of life. But then also because God loves me, I can trust him as has been so freeing. It's been so freeing because Mm -hmm. that's like one last thing for me to worry about. (laughs) Yeah. That's a pretty big thing to worry about, you know? And I mean, I still struggle with it. Just last night I was laying in bed telling David how anxious I am about, you know, the baby and stuff. And he tells me, he's like, you just have this fear that like, if something is bad, it's going to happen to you because of like, you know, situations that have happened in your life. I'm like, I didn't enjoy hearing that, but I also know I needed to hear that because it's true. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I do need to give over to God and just trust that, you know, he knows what he's doing. He has, he loves me. He loves my unborn child, you know, and whatever's going to happen, that's going to happen. And that's all going to be okay. (laughs) Just trusting that the God of the universe isn't out to out to get me. <laughs> That's been yeah, very it's like, freeing. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, cause I grew up that same way. You're waiting for the hammer to fall. Yes. And it's like, um, the way that I picture it, cause I'm a huge Marvel fan <laughs> is like, um, Thor's, um, dang it. All I could think of is gavel. Thor's hammer. Yeah. Okay. You know, and he's like, when he's, when he's, needs to like crush something comes down on it boom and then when he's done it just flies back to his hand and it's like god sitting there (laughs) she messing up boom yeah waiting for the next time yep boom yep (laughs) you know i get that i i was raised i was raised that way to think i even told emily last night we were recording an episode and i didn't tell her this during the recording but just, um, we were talking about peace last night Mm -hmm. and, and I, Emily, I don't know if you remember me saying this, but just basically like, you know, when, when I just really feel very strongly, we, we talked about, um, uh, Jehovah Shalom Mm -hmm. and that God is peace. And he, and we talked about that. I said, there's still a mindset where it kind of pops back in the back of my head that because we've talked about this and because we've shared it, then God's going to allow something to happen in my life to see if I really got the lesson of that. He has peace. Yeah. You know, just that constant. So I walked, my husband and I walked out of the independent fundamental Baptist church in 1990. One. I wasn't even and born yet. <laughs> I know. Be quiet. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Just go ahead and throw me under the bus there, Sam. Thanks. <laughs> um, you know, 1991, and it's 2022. And I'm still trying to get rid of my stinking thinking, yeah. you know? So I feel like we could do... St- do like three episodes with you, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Someone's going to listen to this and be like, I thought she said she doesn't like to talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, Emily, why don't you close this out? Cl- our time. I hate to close our time um, because it's great. So we're definitely going to have you back on Sam okay. and we'll just, the three of us will jump on a topic and um, tackle that sucker. Yes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we'll do it. 
Yeah, we didn't even we didn't even do hot takes tonight, and we usually do. No, my hottest take is that I just don't like baby dedications. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, somebody's going to edit that, edit the dedication part out. Yes. <laughs> you're you're fifteen weeks are. pregnant. She's fifteen weeks pregnant. She, she doesn't even babies. like babies. <laughs> you know it. Oh, oh goodness. Well. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Sam. We appreciate you. Hope it was just as much fun for those listening as it was for us um, to get to (laughs) hang out with you and record. We appreciate your heart and who you are um, and just the opportunity to get to know you better. And those of you who are listening, I pray that you just feel so seen in whatever part of your journey that you're on, that you are not alone, that you're not the only one who is ever felt this way. Um, so yeah, thank you for hanging out with us. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Yep. Good to talk to you, Sam. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As always, you can reach out to Lois and Emily at hello at sisterseeker.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to us if you would consider supporting the RFWP. You can go to patreon.com slash sisterseeker. Another way to show your support is by leaving us a review. This helps get this cause and this message to more women like you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here, friend.